Well, it's happened, everybody. The Druid and the Paladin playtest has finally dropped. If you don't know what I mean, well, Wizards of the Coast is letting us playtest 1D&D stuff that they plan to release sometime next year. Now we have the Druid and the Paladin on top of the Cleric, Rogue, Ranger, and Bard, as well as some other starting legacies, which is what they're calling races now. And I'm pretty excited! With all that said, let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Bardic Inquisition. I am your host, Vince. And before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the sponsor of this show, and that is you guys over on the Patreon. So thank you very much for supporting the show. If you want to donate, you can also go to patreon.com slash bardicinquisition and become part of the team that makes this show happen. But with all that out of the way, let's get straight into the new Druid class. Before I get started, I should note that if I don't talk about a thing that you remember from the class, it's not because it's missing, it's because it hasn't changed. But yeah, right off the bat at level 1, let me start with no medium armor training. That's right, the druids no longer wear medium armor, but to be fair, before they couldn't really wear armor that had metal in it to begin with, so... That actually got rid of a lot of your options. Now, as for weapons, it's now just simple weapon proficiencies instead of that kind of wonky list of certain weapons they could use. In addition to that, you now at level 1 get something called Channel Nature. This is very similar to the Cleric's, and as you'll see in a minute, Paladin's Channel Divinity. Like Channel Divinity, when you first start out, you will only have a couple of options, but later on as you level up and as you pick subclasses, you'll get more options for what this channel nature actually does. In fact, Wild Shape is actually considered a channel nature ability, and at level 1, it is the first and only channel nature ability that you have. And while we're on the subject of Wild Shape, I should probably mention that Wild Shape has changed drastically. So, you know how you used to look through the monster manual or the monster cards if your DM had those and choose a beast to wild shape into? Well, say goodbye to that. Now, wild shape comes in three forms. You have your land form, aquatic form, and your aerial form. And basically, you choose the animal that you represent when you wild shape into that form. And as Jeremy Crawford has already mentioned, yes, you can choose an owlbear. 
And one last thing to mention about Wild Shape is that your hit points no longer change when you Wild Shape into whatever you Wild Shape into. So yeah, starting off at level 1, you actually get Wild Shape, but you can only Wild Shape into your land form. Starting at level 2, you get two new channel nature options. The first of which is Healing Blossoms, which basically lets you roll a number of d4s equal to your Wisdom modifier, and distribute the number of hit points rolled in a 10-foot sphere within 30 feet of you. The second channel nature ability that you gain at second level is called Wild Companion. This just lets you cast Find Familiar without any materials. I'll talk more about Find Familiar later because there's also been a significant change to that spell. Now if you've been paying attention to the UAs up to this point, you will know that at level 3 you of course get your subclass, or in this case, circle. I'll get into the subclass after I finish the main class stuff. Moving right along, at 5th level you gain something called Might of the Land, which adds a climb speed and multi-attack to your land form. At 7th level you gain access to your aquatic form, and at 9th level you gain access to your aerial form. At 11th level you get something called Tiny Critter, which lets you wild shape into a tiny version of something that you could wild shape into, but it only lasts 10 minutes, and your damage is halved. I'm not entirely sure how this is useful, but it's a thing. At 13th level you get something that I actually think is pretty cool, called Alternating Forms, which basically lets you put a pause on your wild shape, turn back into your normal form, cast some spells or do whatever, and then wild shape back without expending a use of your channel nature. Now I should mention that you only get a minute to do all this, but that's 10 rounds, so if you're not done after a minute, what are you doing? At 15th level you get something called Wild Resurgence, which says that every time that you wild shape, you get a free use of your healing blossoms. That's pretty cool. But not as cool as what you get at 17th level, which is called Beast Spells, which does exactly what you think it does, it lets you cast spells while you're wild shaped. And the only real restriction here is that if it has a material component cost, you can't cast it in wild shape, but other than that, you're free to cast whatever. At 18th level, you get a new version of the Archdruid, which says that you age 10 times slower, and every time you roll initiative, you get a use of your channel nature back. And finally, when you reach level 20, you of course get an epic boon, as has been the pattern so far. Now, as for the actual subclass, we got Circle of the Moon. Now, this one has seen some sweeping changes, because remember how you don't look through the monster manual for beasts anymore? Well, yeah, they had to do something with that. So, at third level you still get something called Combat Wild Shape, but it is a little different. First of all, it lets you use Wild Shape as a bonus action or a magic action. Second of all, it allows you to cast Abjuration spells while you're wild shaped, and now it allows you to make an unarmed attack as a bonus action. At 6th level, however, you get something called Elemental Wild Shape. When you wild shape, you choose Fire, Cold, Lightning, Thunder, or Acid, and you gain resistance to that type of damage. In addition, whenever you attack in wild shape, you get to deal damage of that same type, 
or normal if you choose to. You choose every time you attack. At 10th level, you gain something called Elemental Strikes, which just adds the same type of damage that you chose when you wild shaped onto your attacks in the form of an extra d6. And then finally at level 14, you get the capstone ability of the Circle of the Moon, which is Thousand Forms. No changes here, it's still just Alter Self at will. But that's all the changes to the Druid that I noticed at least. If I missed something, oops, my bad. Now, as for my final thoughts, eh, I don't know how I feel about the Druid. Honestly, I kind of think they went a little too simplistic with the forms and made it all too homogenized. I kind of liked having the different various abilities on the creatures before. So we'll see what they end up doing with this, but I hope they make it a bit more complex than that to Wild Shape, but that's just me. I think the sweet spot for Wild Shapes would be to have like three or four landforms maybe, and then one to two aquatic forms and one to two aerial forms. Now on that note, I kind of think that they made the Druid a little bit too dependent on that Wild Shape, and I kind of wish that they had done more with Channel Nature, because I like Channel Nature. It really makes the class feel like it's part of that priest group of classes. But enough rambling about the Druid, let's go ahead and get on to the Paladin class. Moving on to the Paladin, the first change that I noticed is a very similar one that they did to the Ranger, and that's Paladins get spellcasting, including cantrips, at level 1. As for their starting proficiencies and things like that, they have not changed at all. In fact, the Paladin still gets Divine Smite at level 2, but there is a major difference, because now Divine Smite can be used with unarmed strikes and ranged attacks in addition to melee attacks. This is huge, but I will get into that more in my final thoughts. Now, if you were worried about the lack of Divine Sense, don't worry, it comes in at level 3 as one of your channel divinity options. Also at level 3, you get your subclass, or in this case, you swear your oath. Now at 5th level, you get something called Faithful Steed. This gives you the Find Steed spell, only for you, it only costs an action. It doesn't count against the spells that you know, and you can cast it once per day for free. At 6th level is when you get your Oath feature, and 7th level gives you your Aura of Protection. However, there is no line about the increased radius, but that's kind of its own thing now, so don't worry about it. Now at 9th level, you get an entirely new ability called Abjure Foes. This lets you daze a number of foes within 60 feet equal to your charisma modifier. This requires them to make a save. However, if they don't make the save, they are frightened in addition to being dazed. And if they do make their save, they're still dazed. 10th level is, of course, your next oath feature, and then 11th level gives you an ability called Radiant Strikes. This replaces the old improved Divine Smite, and now works with all simple and martial weapons. 
which, by the way, adds a d8 radiant damage to your strikes. Now, 13th level gives you Aura of Courage, which is basically the same as it was before, but I should note that it stacks with your Aura of Protection instead of replacing it, and it also suppresses any Frighten effects when your allies enter your Aura. 14th level gives you your last Oath feature, and then 15th level gives you something called Restoring Touch. Now, I don't remember the name of the ability that this replaces, but you can now remove blind, deafened, charmed, dazed, frightened, paralyzed, or stunned whenever you lay on hands, paying 5 points per condition that you remove. 17th level is when you get your aura expansion. This is what I was talking about before, where it's its own thing now. Your aura goes up from 10 feet to 30 feet. Simple as that. And then at 18th level, we get something called Divine Conduit, which says that you regain a channel divinity whenever you roll initiative. As for level 20, it is, of course, an epic boon. By the way, something real quick to note about the boons is that whenever you gain an epic boon, you also gain an ability score increase, and you can go above 20 with your scores, but not above 30. Now, let's take a look at that subclass. This time around, we are getting Oath of Devotion. At third level, we get Sacred Weapon. This is exactly the same as it was before. However, I will note that there is no turn unholy. At sixth level, we get something that's called Smite of Protection. This says that whenever you use your Divine Smite, you get to give yourself or an ally within 30 feet temporary hit points. The number of temporary hit points is equal to 1d8 per level of spell slot that you used. At 10th level, we get Aura of Devotion, which, like before with Aura of Courage, is the same as it was before, except it stacks with your Aura of Protection, and it suppresses any charm effects on your allies when they enter your aura. At 14th level, we get Holy Nimbus, but there are a couple of changes. First of all, now the damage is your Charisma modifier plus your Proficiency modifier instead of a flat 10, and the line about advantage has been removed entirely. As a small note, Purity of Spirit is also gone. Final notes on the Paladin. Honestly, I kind of like the Paladin changes. In fact, I think the most important change that they made, and probably the coolest thing, is the new Smite rules. It is so cool now that you can smite with a bow, or with a punch, or even, you know, dare I say it, with a gun. The ability to just smite with any weapon of your choice, including your fists, I think is so crucial for people being able to roleplay a paladin exactly the way that they want to. Also, first level spellcasting, including cantrips, is really awesome. I loved it when they did it with the ranger, and I love it here. So, cheers to you, paladin. You've got a lot of positive changes coming. But moving on from the Paladin, we have some spell changes coming, as well as some rules glossary changes. So, let's get to it. So, starting off with the spells, I have a couple of subgroups of spells one of which is the Find X spells, and then another one which is the Smites. Let's start with the Find X spells. 
first of all with Find Familiar and Find Steed both, the stat blocks for these spells have been generalized, much like with the Druid's Wild Shape. You don't have to look through the Monster Manual anymore, and rather you don't get to look through the Monster Manual depending on how you want to see it. Instead, you get a general stat block with minor changes based on the choices that you make when you cast the spell. You'll see what I mean. With Find Familiar, you choose Land, Sea, or Air, and you choose Celestial, Fiend, or Fey. This determines the Familiar's damage type, appearance, and mobility. However, now there is no range requirement for the Familiars to simply exist, only a range requirement for them delivering touch spells. In addition, now they can use your reaction to attack, and once per long rest, if they reach zero hit points, they can instead go to one and teleport into and hide in a pocket dimension of sorts until you summon them back out again. And before you ask, no, you don't have to cast the spell again to do this. As for Find Steed, you again choose between Celestial, Fiend, or Fey, and this determines not only the look of your mount, but also a unique ability that your mount gets. To be specific, the Celestial gets a healing ability, the Fiend gets a fear ability, and the Fey gets a Fey Step ability. In addition, you can now upcast Find Steed, and in fact, doing so will grant your Steed better stats, and if you cast it using a 4th level spell slot or higher, it'll actually gain a flying speed. Now let's talk about smites. Just like the Paladin Divine Smite ability, now all of the smites work with ranged attacks as well as unarmed strikes. In addition, most of the smite spells, with the exception of those with lasting effects, no longer require concentration. Also, all of the smite spells, with the exception of Banishing Smite, which is already 5th level, can be upcast to do more damage. In addition to those changes, there are also a few smite spells that actually changed in other ways. The first one being Banishing Smite. First off, the 50 hit point clause has been replaced completely with a repeatable saving throw, and aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, and fiends that do not save for an entire minute don't come back. Moving on to the old Branding Smite, which they're now calling Glimmering Smite, it adds advantage to all attack rolls against the target for up to a minute, in addition to its previous effects. As for Searing Smite, there is no longer any line about other creatures being able to put the fire out. Save or die. Or burn at least. As for Staggering Smite, instead of giving the target disadvantage, it now just stuns them. Which is, I think, better. But that's it for the smites. There's one final spell that changed, and that is the cantrip Spare the Dying. And it's a big change. Whereas before, Spare the Dying used to just stabilize a dying creature, now it heals a dying creature for one hit point. That's right, the cantrip can actually get people up and moving again. This is huge, and not only does it make the spell worth actually taking, but it might actually be a little overpowered. We'll see. But before we get to the outro, I wanted to go over a few quick rules glossary changes. First of all, unconscious and dying have now been defined as conditions. The short rest makes an appearance in the UA this time, and it's specified that if your short rest gets interrupted, you gain no benefit. Speaking of short rests, you can roll your hit dice one at a time, regardless of how many you use. 
there are also now rules for knocking out a creature and rules for telepathy added to the document. And heroic inspiration is now called heroic advantage and is no longer gained by rolling a one. That's a bummer. I'm kind of going to miss that. But what I'm not going to miss is the jump action, which is gone. Also, the hidden and slowed conditions are gone, and the hide action gives you the invisible condition. Another thing to note is that your allies are no longer considered difficult terrain, but furniture that is one size smaller than you or larger is. And the final thing I wanted to note is that long rests have had a little work done. For one thing, they are 8 hours still, but if interrupted, require an extra hour to make up for lost time. Also, they require a 16 hour recharge time between long rests. As for the function of a long rest, when you take a long rest, you restore all of your hit points, hit dice, max hit points, ability scores, and one level of exhaustion is removed. But that's everything in this UA that I wanted to talk about, so let's go ahead and move into the outro so we can get you guys out of here for this week. Welcome everyone to the outro. That means you made it through the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, criticisms, feel free to send them to bardicinquisition at yahoo.com. You can also find me on Twitter at bardinquisition. And if you were hoping to get the other half of the series I started last week where I go over all of the D&D classes, don't worry, that will resume next week. But thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode. Until next week, have fun, play games, and don't stop dreaming. <laughs>